It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Kent Kramer, president and CEO of Goodwill of Central and Southern Indiana. Kent joined Goodwill in 2002 as Vice President of Retail Operations, later serving as Chief Operating Officer, and in 2015, he was named President and CEO. He leads 4,200 employees, two-thirds of whom have a significant employment barrier, and they educate more than 4,400 students in 16 high schools and provide direct services to more than 2,000 low-income families in Central and Southern Indiana. A proud alumnus of Indiana State University, Kent holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Management and serves on the university's Alumni Association Board. He also holds an MBA from the Fall School of Business at Anderson University. Prior to joining Goodwill, Kent spent 13 years in multi-unit leadership positions with Sam's Club and Kmart across several states. He resides in Pendleton, Indiana with his wife, Jamie. They are the proud parents of four adult children and are active members of Madison Park Church of God, where Kramer serves as an elder. Ken Kramer, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brand. It's great to be here. Great to talk to you again. As I said, it's been a couple of months uh, as we were getting warmed up since you and I have spoken. And uh, I'm sure a lot of things have been happening in Indiana in the last couple of months. But I want to start kind of what we usually do is at the beginning and tell us a little bit about your early family life, you know, where you grew up, what mom and dad did, siblings, et cetera. Yeah, great. <clears throat> so I am a uh, uh, Hoosier, born and raised. Uh, <laughs> Right here in the great state of Indiana. And, uh, and a basketball uh, fan, too, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> a, a matter of fact, the, uh, the movie Hoosiers yeah. uh, was based off of my uh, high school team. Not Your the winning team, team. Yeah. but the losing team, unfortunately. So we were uh, um, the, on the losing end of that. But it was still right. pretty cool to have the, the story uh, reflected awesome. there. Yeah. But so was I'm it, from Muncie. Was it filmed about the time you were in high school before? After? No, no, yeah. <clears throat> no. That was uh, 1954. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was in high school uh, later in the in the 80s. So right, a few years, right. <laughs> a few years before that. But yeah, from Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, I've got a uh, a couple of brothers and uh, my uh, my dad was a, a tool maker and and managed tool shops, and yeah. my mom was a homemaker. So that's. That's uh, my background, but um, blue collar upbringing then, or was blue collar and in a you know I worked in a grocery for three years in high school, and that's where I I uh, fell in love with retail and you know that environment. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about that because you've got such an interesting history as we spoke uh, a couple of months ago, having been in the private sector for about half your career and now the other half, uh, you know, for Goodwill Industries. But we'll get into that in a minute. Tell us a little bit about some of the lessons that you maybe learned from mom and dad growing up or, or brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents. Absolutely. So as I look at my parents, uh, they divorced uh, early and in my life, uh, I think I was three, and and uh, so you know, spent split time with them, but uh, did did learn a ton from from each one of them. My dad was uh, an extremely hard worker, and and uh, really learned about work ethic and and showing up every day, and yeah. and the importance of uh, you know putting a hard day's work in. So I learned that from him. And my mom uh, has always been the the social. Um, piece of my life, and she's always inviting people into our home, and um, you know, for for dinners, and just um, if they if they needed anything. So she was always showed what a welcoming heart can do, and and the rewards that that can bring. So uh, um, yeah. I'm able to pick up really quality things from both of them. Did mom and dad kind of stay in the same town? Do they both remain in Muncie? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And did either my, remarry? Did you have some step parents? They did, yeah. So I uh, have had a few step parents along the way and yeah. step siblings and uh right. and have had a uh, a life filled with wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm blessed that uh, uh my parents are still around. My dad is about ready to turn eighty and he wow. he lives locally and my mom lives in uh, uh Florida now and she's uh just turned seventy eight. So yeah. still okay. still with us and uh still learning from them. Love it. Were you a good student in school? I, you know, in, uh, in high school I was, and, uh, um, and when I, um, got to college in my, uh, undergraduate studies, uh, um, I worked a lot and also, uh, got really involved in leadership opportunities in, uh, uh, on campus. So I ended up kind of spreading out my, um, time and, and sometimes the schoolwork fell behind activities and, <laughs> but I got through and, uh, um, when I went back and got my MBA, um, I, I kind of, um, renewed my, uh, academic energy and, and, and did really well, uh, getting my MBA, but awesome. I would say I was not a stellar student in, uh, in college, but I did get through. We established you're a, a Hoosier fan and a, and a basketball fan. Did you play the sport or, or other sports when you were growing up? You know, did play, uh, basketball and, and, uh, golf and, and, uh, but by the time I got to high school, I was, um, I ended up being a student manager for a couple of years. So, uh, did not make the team. So didn't have the, uh, ability there, but have always loved the sport. And, um, my daughter works for the Indiana Pacers. So it's great to, nice. I still love going and seeing college and high school and, and pro games. Staying close to that. You mentioned your, your early love for retail. Was there uh, other entrepreneurial things that you did as a kid growing up or, you know, part-time work that helped you earn that extra buck? Yeah. You know, as, as uh, a kid in Indiana, there was a couple of things. Uh, one was to uh, deliver newspapers and another was to, paper uh, route. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I always say that, you know, I learned a ton on that. You, know, you do, right. You're out there, you know, 11 years old and you got to be up at a certain time because people want their papers um, right. in time for, you know, their morning coffee. And, right. and then you're also into collections, you know, you That's had right. to go door to door and, 
and uh, uh, collect, you know, your 50 cents and right. <laughs> you look at the door and, you know, you see them in there, but they're not answering the door. So you had to sometimes be resourceful and, <laughs> and how you uh, um, got in touch with people. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, we talked to so many CEOs and, and along with myself, uh, that paper route, you know, you got up early right? You had a job to do. You had to wrap those papers and rubber band them and plastic bag them on days that it rained, you know, put them on the back of your bike or hand them over your shoulder. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you getting up in, you know, as what, 10, 11 years old, knocking on those doors and asking for money, you know, that, that teaches you a few things about sales and marketing, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And when did you get into retail? Did you have some retail jobs as well in junior high or high school? You know, it was in um, high school, a, a grocery store. My, my grandfather had had some grocery, um, uh, owned a couple grocery stores oh. in Muncie, but um, those had closed and, and uh, was no longer part of it. So I, I remember vaguely being in those as a young child and always thought it was pretty cool. So that's where I, you know, went for my first job. And, and uh, so I did that like I said, for three years in high school. And I just, yeah. I loved every piece of it. I loved uh, customers coming in and loved, you know, building end caps and seeing things uh, sale and, and making things look nice and neat. And um, so that I just really enjoyed that part of. Was it grocery, the, clothing, hardware? What, what kind it, of it, was it was all grocery. It was all grocery. Yeah, that's hard work. A lot of stocking. It is. Moving boxes around and, you know, dealing with people when they're hungry. <laughs> it would be a challenge. So was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you go to college? Did, did mom and dad want that for you growing up? You know, it was, uh, you know, a, a, a dream I had or a goal I had. And uh, my parents didn't go and their parents didn't go. So it was a first yeah. gen yeah. Um, and, uh, um, so that was, you know, I wouldn't say something that was preached to me, right. but it was just kind of somehow it was my own expectation of myself, sure. um, to do that. And it was a goal I had set. So did you get some scholarships or financial I did. Aid yeah, and- I did. I, um, uh, received an academic scholarship to Indiana state and got some financial aid and, and was able to kind of cobble together, uh, the funding um, to be able to go and sure. and uh, as I said earlier, you know, I wasn't a stellar student, but I I did it well enough to hold on to that scholarship for, <laughs> Good for the time I was there <laughs> and worked during the summers, I imagine too. Yeah, well, worked worked re- pretty much around the clock right. uh, around the uh, all year. So yeah. Now you went on to study business. Was that kind of based on your retail foundation? Did you? It was. It was. You go into business. And what was that first job you took coming out of school? So the first job was, uh, you know, combine my business management degree and my love for, uh, or my interest in retail, and I got a job at a startup company. hadn't been around very very long, but was uh, is now, and that's Sam's Club. So that was back in 1990, and. And they had uh, it started uh, a few years before, but uh, they came to campus there in Terre Haute, Indiana, at uh, Indiana State, and and had uh, an informational session the night before. And they were talking about. It. I'm like, I could not, <clears throat> I couldn't believe it because this is the first one I had signed up for, wow. and it sounded exactly like something I'd want to do. So I had the interview the next day and and got an offer. Uh, a couple of days after that, and um, this was January. So, as a oh. as a senior in uh, in college, and and to have that 
job offer several months before you start that that was such a relief but uh uh, my did first, you the, did you take the foot off the accelerator a little bit? And, and no, I, you know, I, I didn't. I actually had my best, uh, from, uh, from an academic standpoint, I, I enjoyed my senior year, but yeah, I, also, right. I also did well because I had a lot riding on <laughs> making sure I finished strong. So, um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, my first, uh, first assignment was in Springfield, Missouri as a management trainee for, for Sam's club. And that was, uh, that was a start to my career. Now, for those that are listening and uh, saying, how could Sam's Club be a startup? Um, people have to remember that Walmart came first, right? Sam Alton, yes. Sam Alton got that going and I think operated that for, what, 20 or 30 years, right? Before yes. Sam's came along. And, and was Sam's kind of reacted to the Costco's and the price clubs, right? He kind of saw that and said, "It was. we need to get into the club business. Yeah, yeah. So they were one of the late late starters of the club business, I think, right? They were and... and uh you know, he was, he was always looking at concepts and, and listening to customers and, and seeing what their needs were. So that was, that was a concept. They've tried many others, but this, that's one that really stuck and, stuck, yeah. and is now, um, you know, a multi-billion dollar organization. Now, was he still operating in the nineties? Did you ever get a chance to meet him? He was, I actually around? did get to meet him no a, a couple of times and, wow. and, uh, uh, one, they, um, Sam's got to the point where it wasn't in this startup anymore and they, they, <laughs> they spun off and got their own building there in Bentonville. So the Sam's club building was, everybody was kind of working, uh, in the Walmart building. So I helped, I helped move the, uh, um, folks out of the office. And then also I came back to Indiana, um, as, as one of my early assignments as a, uh, assistant manager in a store that was opening in the Indianapolis area and Sam uh, came to the grand opening. So I had an opportunity to meet him and introduce him to family. So that was uh, an early highlight of my uh, We have to tell us a Sam story. Come on. Everyone's got one. (laughs) (laughs) What's your, what's your fondest memory or, or, you know, because he was a little quirky. Right, he was. Yeah, he no, he still drove. I think a nineteen thirty nine truck that he had <laughs> yeah. for forty years, and right, he, uh, you know, it was very spendthrift and um, quite a personality. I never had the pleasure. So, so you know, any any fond memories of your uh, interactions with Sam? You know, a, a couple, and one I had uh, an elder, elderly aunt that I had invited wow. to the uh, grand opening and um, introduced. Uh, Aunt Mary to uh, Sam Walton, and uh, they just—I mean—they just had a wonderful time. And because um, she had worked uh, in a grocery for many years uh, for her brother, which was my grandfather, and so it was—it was a really cool experience. And I—I I, I will always remember how much time he took with her and was really interested. And and I'd seen him. <clears throat> I would say this. Um, Another fond memory is I uh, ended up uh, after uh, working at Sam's for 11 years, took a couple of year stint with Kmart, a couple of really long year stint with Kmart and um, one uh, as a multi-unit manager. So I had 20 Kmarts that I was supervising and I I went into one and and, uh, went into the snack bar area and was telling uh, the person that was running the, the snack bar that, you know, my background. And and she says, you know what? Sam Walton came in here probably 15 years ago. 
and he sat down in the snack bar and he was talking to everybody and and uh, he was being really nice, but he was getting all kinds of information from us. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good researcher. He uh-huh. was a great researcher. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. Well, I'm sure Sam's was the place you first started managing people. Uh, how long uh, were you there until they threw you into that? Yeah, that was, it was really quick. And, uh, um, you know, I was a trainee and, and learning, but they wanted to give me something. Um, so they gave me the, uh, you know, at the time it's, it's different. It's called something different now, but they called it the demo ladies. So these are the, the people now that are just, uh, uh, demo employees. But at the time in Springfield, Missouri, there was about 20, on on the team that um, you know would hand out the demos, the yeah. you know the little cocktail weenies and right, the right, right. you know tied uh, packets and the, you know just a variety of things. So, yeah. right. um, but they were um, you know I was I think twenty three at the time, and yeah. and they were all in their literally 60s, 70s, and 80s. So uh, we just had a blast um, and you working with them. them. I oversaw them as yeah. a trainee. So a trainee. Wow. I'm sure they were looking at this kid saying, what? <laughs> but you know what? And we had fun and I, I really enjoyed um, um, working with them. And I learned the value of listening yeah. and what listening can do as far as building culture. And then also reacting because some of the times that with what their needs were were very simple and um if you're a person of action and can react uh, to some of those simple requests uh you you've got uh, loyal team members and i saw that and yeah i was only there a half a year um but those demo ladies they i mean i could tell that um you know, they had an impact on me and I had an impact on them because when I left, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty emotional for both sides. Oh. Well, it sounds like you learned a lot about servant leadership pretty early on. Yes. Yes. Was, was Sam's a place that fostered them? It was, it was. And, and, um, you know, there's, when you're running a, a, a large operation like that, yeah. You know, a typical Sam's Club will have a couple hundred, 200, maybe 220 uh, employees. Yeah. And, you know, around the clock operation, you might be might not be open for business, but stocking and and getting the, the, the club ready for the next day. And uh, just kind of, you know, from clothing to meat to sundries, uh, you know, to um, putting tires on. There's it's it's a wide variety. And and I say all that because, you know, about being a servant leader, yeah. um, no matter the day, there's always a need somewhere. And, yeah. uh, you know, the ones, the, the leaders that would take the time to learn how to grind hamburger meat and decorate cakes and, <laughs> and change tires um, are the ones that people really gravitated towards because, you know, you just kind of, you could assess the situation and help out wherever and whenever and that's basically your whole day was spent <laughs> um, making sure the customers are happy and that, um, you know, your employees are being productive. And and uh, uh, so servant leadership in those types of environment uh, is really important. Yeah, awesome. So you spent a little over a decade there and then a very short time at Kmart before going to your 
present employment, which we want to talk about in a minute. T- tell us a little bit about those transitions. Uh, were you kind of lured away by Kmart and, you know, the, the, the growing opportunity there? Or was there personal reasons that led to your, yeah. uh, your transition? Yeah, you know, it was, it was um, in this situation, it was a chance to continue in multi-unit management. And I would say lured away is probably a good term. Uh, the uh, a previous um, boss who I had a lot of respect for, and uh, we'd kind of been in the trenches together at, at Sam's Club, had called and said he had an opportunity Um in Indiana, which is where I was from, my wife was from, and family, and it gave us a chance to um, stay in Indiana, um, managing Kmart's. And at the time, it was uh, he was brought on board to help bring the the blue light back and bring back um, Kmart because it had started to slide. This was right. you know back in the late nineties. Yeah, it had started to slide a little special. bit. Yes. <laughs> So the blue light came back and uh, a lot of energy and investment, and uh, but it didn't stick. So there was some, um, you know, I'd just say issues around culture and how they got things done. And I learned a ton. A lot of what I learned, honestly, was uh, how, how, not to <laughs> how not to lead people. And, uh, you know, and in in certain situations, I wouldn't say all of Kmart was like this, but, um, you know, in in some of the environment that I was in, it just didn't match with what I'd learned uh, at Sam's Club and and really my own values. So the guy that recruited me, I think, was kind of in the same boat. He he lasted maybe three months. um, uh, And then, uh, you know, I lasted just under uh, two years. And you know, Kmart had filed bankruptcy during my time. Yeah. Yeah. There was all kinds of shuffling at the top. Um, so when, um, you know, this is back in the day, Brant, where, uh, you may not remember this, but people used to put their resumes out on uh, (laughs) monster.com. So I put my resume out there. I, I think without my name, because that would have been really, uh, uh, difficult to to work through, but a, a recruiting firm that was looking for um, somebody to lead the retail division for a, what was called a regional retailer uh, based in Indianapolis. Ah. So they didn't list yeah. that it was Goodwill, and uh, you know I later found out that um, sometimes when and back then when they would list uh, Goodwill, they wouldn't get the quality yeah, applicants they needed. Right. Yeah. So this, you know, I didn't find out until the second interview. You both went into it. Uh, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's how it was so, done back in the day. Listen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was quite the process. I think I had five interviews and, wow. and I, w- I was replacing somebody that had been there um, 20 years. But, you know, it was at the time we we had, uh, I think, 23 stores and uh, in central uh, Indiana. And, uh, um, you know, it was, it was an important job because it was, you know, a couple thousand employees that you were responsible for. And, and, uh, um, you know, it was, it was at a time where I needed a job, and, uh, I had four kids, uh, ages two, four, six, and eight and a mortgage and a wife that worked at, (laughs) that, uh, that, you know, took care of the home. And, and I was the, the primary breadwinner. So I was, I, I honestly, 
didn't care who it was. I was just happy. <laughs> I was interviewing for a job, you know, in Indiana. Um, but you know, that I don't care attitude lasted about, uh, a week. And as I got into the job and I got to start to meet some of the people that not only that we served, but people that we employed and, and I just, I fell in love with the mission there and that, you know, in those first couple of weeks and here I am 20 years later, still, um, uh, still working for the same organization. So, so let's talk about that because you were what 12, 13 years, you know, in, in, in the private sector. And now, yes. as you said, almost 20. Um, and Goodwill does operate as a nonprofit in Indiana, from what I understand. So yes. W- when you, when that kind of was revealed to you, w- was there some apprehension on your part? Did you, you know, kind of think, well, gosh, I'm not sure what I'm getting into here. Um, you know, you mentioned it took about a week or so before you were there. Tell us about how you kind of, you know, made that transition and, and, you know, what kind of convinced you that was the right place to go to? Yeah. So, um, you know, first off the, the, uh, process to get hired, uh, had been more, more extensive than what I had gone through with, you know, uh, the Kmart job was a phone call (laughs) interview with a guy I had known for several years. So it's, it was more of a, just a, you know, he's trying to convince me to come on board. So that was, that was that interview. The, the Sam's club interview was, you know, was an hour, um, <laughs> and you know, an hour with an offer. So, yeah, they hired um, you on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. that was that. And this was, you know, lasted a few months and had personality and this is the tests. Only the third job you ever interviewed for. It, correct. So. Yes. Yeah, right. Your third job and your third <laughs> interview. Right. Yeah. So it was, uh, pretty extensive. So I'm like, you know what, these, it seems like they really care about who they hire and, and, um, you know, they were hiring me to replace somebody that wasn't gone yet. And, uh, so they wanted to make sure there was, um, you know, that we were compatible. And then also with the CEO that I was compatible because eventually that's who I would, uh, report to. So, um, you know, they spent a lot of time and again, my, my frame of mind at the time was, because I was interviewing with some national companies that would, were going to require a move. So I was just grateful that, you know, somebody had called me and said, would you be interested in, in this opportunity? But so it was more of a job and a way to pay the mortgage and feed the, feed the family. Um, but then um, I, it was, it was right at a weekend. So one of the stores that we had was in, in my hometown of Muncie. I didn't, okay. I don't, didn't live there anymore, but I ran into uh, a gentleman. <clears throat> His name is Mike, and I was in high school with Mike. And Mike mm-hmm. has cerebral palsy, oh. and I kind of lost track. Uh, you know, moved eight times in eleven years with Sam's Club, so moved around a lot. Didn't get back to Muncie uh, except to see family. You know, brief uh, trips, but there was Mike working. Wow. And Mike at the Goodwill store in Muncie and Mike was, um, we were managers on the basketball team together. So we knew each other. I'd given him rides home and, and, you know, I thought about Mike over the years. I'm like, um, I didn't know much about cerebral palsy, but I didn't really think of him working. I didn't think of him, uh, driving. I I really didn't think, and there he was, he was working, taking donations, pricing things, Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool, Mike. Yeah. And he had worked there for 15 years. And, and 
since high school. And not only had he done that, Goodwill had helped him get a car, uh, get his driver's license, get a car, and even helped him become uh, independent. He had his own uh, own place to live. And I'm like, I heard that story, and then I started hearing other stories like that. And I had realized that this is more than just a job. I had landed someplace really special. Oh, fabulous. Great. Oh, I love that story. Kent, tell us a, a little bit about the mission. Uh, you've been now CEO for about seven, eight years, I think. And, yes. you know, obviously came, kind of came up through the ranks. But, uh, yeah, give us the footprint and, and you know, kind of your overall uh, mission for, uh, uh, you know, Goodwill and yeah. Greater Indiana. Yeah. So our, our mission, uh, I just described what, um, you know, the empowerment of Mike yeah. and what that meant to his life. And that's ultimately within our mission is helping people increase their independence and reach their potential. And, nice. and sometimes uh, somebody's reaching their potential might be an individual with Down syndrome uh, where a 10-hour-a-week job is a game changer for them and their family. Sometimes it might be uh, an individual that has uh, is a returning citizen, somebody has a criminal background, and really getting them on a, a great path um, forward. So um, we do that through a variety of ways. We have now we have seventy five retail stores uh, here in central and southern Indiana. We've expanded our our footprint through a merger we did about five years ago. Um, but we also operate high schools. We didn't do this back when I started in 2002, but we operate 16 high schools. 15 of those are adult high schools. So to give an adult that dropped out for a variety of reasons. Um, not, not just special ed. Can't, right? No, no, no. This is, this is uh, um, you know, in our 15 adult high schools, we have 4,200 students and many of them, dropped out for, um, you know, reasons like they became pregnant or they were parenting. Um, sometimes if a family member became ill and they, and they had to go to work, it, you know, high school was just not an option and they needed to go to work. A lot of times, um, you know, they got in trouble and had to, had to leave high school, but here they are 10 years later trying to figure out life right. and without an education, especially a high school diploma, um, you know, finding vocational success is really, really difficult. So we started that back uh, in, in uh, 2010, these adult high schools, and there's a half a million Hoosiers that don't have a, a working age Hoosiers that don't have a high school diploma. So uh, we started and opened one and had 300 seats in the school and had 2000 on the wait list uh, a couple of months in. So we knew that there was a great um, need for this. And so we've been opening high schools, not only locally, but licensing it across the country now. So um, we have manufacturing facilities, um, uh, six of them. So we provide employment opportunities and contract manufacturing. And these are um, these are really decent uh, jobs for individuals to take. Um, and you do and contract it, manufacturing, correct? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, an example is we just opened a facility on the east side of Indianapolis where we have one customer and that's Cook Medical and we're building medical devices for them. So it's our employees um, and, uh, you know, we provide wraparound services to those employees like helping them with transportation, 
uh, or childcare needs, or maybe helping them expunging a, a record so that they can um, advance in other parts of life. And uh, so we we provide a lot of wraparound resources for our employees. Uh, the companies we contract with really like that, and they see us being able to retain employees that way. And right. and uh, um, so we have you know, six manufacturing plants and and uh, a variety of other mission programs. We're an implementer for Nurse Family Partnership, which is a home visitation program for low-income first-time moms where we uh, match a nurse, a registered nurse with that expectant mother, and that, mm. that nurse stays with that mom for two and a half years till the, the baby becomes uh, two years of age, and, and just some incredible incredible outcomes um, with that. And primarily, in, uh, one of the metrics that uh, the state measures is infant mortality and Indiana for whatever reason ranks 44th in the country uh, and infant mortality is you know does if the baby doesn't make its first um, birthday um, it's considered uh, infant mortality and in this in uh, uh, in the state of Indiana about seven and a half is the number 7.7 is the out of every thousand babies uh, pass before their first birthday. So a program like NFP can have incredible outcomes when you're teaching teaching uh, that young mother, you know, about nutrition, about smoking, and and other you know behaviors as well as environment around the house. So it's it's a wonderful program. So ultimately, we do a lot manufacturing, nursing, retail, education, but it's all goes back to you know how can we help people. Uh, become more independent. How can we help people find success, and what does their success look like? So, it's about ten thousand people a day that we work with through all, uh, all of those um, um, programs. Yeah, and, and that includes the folks that are employed in the Goodwill yes. stores across the nation, too, across the state. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Well, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about how kind of your leadership style has evolved over the years, particularly coming out, you know, from the retail, you know, private sector into, you know, what you're doing today? Yeah. So I, you know, I would say I've got a, a leadership uh, style that's always evolving and, um, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good approach. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, based on, you know, what I learn in the, in the field, as well as, you know, learn from colleagues and just, uh, always trying to, you know, figure out a way to, to be a better, um, a better leader. But what I learned back there with those, uh, that demo team in Springfield, Missouri, I, I continue to, um, work really hard to be a, uh, a servant leader, one that, uh, listens and responds. Um, I also have found over the years that, um, if you're able to map out your expectations and, and clearly define that with your team, uh, and clearly ed, uh, communicate on a consistent basis and, and reiterate uh, what those expectations and goals are that you, you can find success. So um, try and limit the, the surprises that are happening and, right. and really uh, encourage your, your team and, and uh, for them to have the same uh, approach around communication and expectations. You know, um, you've talked a little bit about, obviously, the leadership side. Culture is an incredibly important part, too, of, of, you know, the CEO's role. How do you go about doing that, you know, in building a company culture and, and propagating that across those 10,000 folks? 
So you know, for for us, <clears throat> there you know we've we've got our our our, our basic values, but um, you know, and we don't have this as a value, but it's something that it been from from my perspective, kind of a personal statement is um, really like folks to. Um, um, you know, work hard and, and deliver on results. But at the same time, if you can weave some fun into that, then, right. uh, you know, really uh, enjoy doing that. So, um, you know, we have opportunities that we've developed. So um, um, there's a there's a platform called Workplace, which is a, uh, a Facebook platform, but it's for the workforce. Mm. And all of our employees, all 4,300 employees, have access to that and i can visit a store or i can like uh yesterday was uh international nurses day so i put a shirt on it says uh i love goodwill nurses we've got 70 plus nurses on our staff and i take a selfie and <clears throat> post that out there for for them to see it um if i go into a store and find a really nice end cap i'll ask you know who built that end cap and and take a picture with that person and mm. um, we have meetings that show a lot of recognition um, and a lot of cadence I do a leadership breakfast um, with uh, six or eight of our uh, leaders throughout the you know every month and and we share a lot of best practices so really lots of interaction time and uh, real, from a cultural standpoint just trying to build communication uh, and build fun and we and we do a uh, a survey uh, every year which uh, we call it a climate survey just to see where people are do they feel like they're being uh, listened to do they feel like they have opportunity to grow and and we base a lot of our um, you know kind of work actions and uh, work plan off of that culture survey yeah, cool you mentioned early on how uh, different the, the hiring practice was and, 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 you know, more extensive, obviously at Goodwill than where you'd worked before. Is that still the case today? Do you still put folks through, uh, <laughs> that, that level of, uh, due diligence? We do. We do yeah. a lot of, um, you know, panel interviews and, and, uh, uh, really spend time, um, you know, truly believe in the, you know, if somebody's not a good fit or they've done something, that's not within the values of your organization, you know, to, you know, kind of quick to exit, uh, but really take your time on the hiring piece to make sure that they are a good fit and make sure that the investment that you're going to make in them is going to, is going to pay off with your team and, and with your results. What, what do you look for personally, Ken, for the people you're going to invest in and hire at Goodwill? I took a, uh, what I would consider a best practice from my predecessor who I worked with for, for 13 years and he was in his role for 41 um, at Goodwill. And he always told me he really works hard to make sure and find people that have uh, a great business mind for what you're hiring. If you need an engineer in your manufacturing facility, you know, or you need a somebody with you know, strong retail background to run a, um, an operation. You always look for somebody that has that, you know, business acumen and, and, uh, but at the same time, you got to find somebody that has a heart for the mission. They've got to understand why we're doing what we do. And, and sometimes, um, you know, we make decisions that are mission centric, uh, and not necessarily business centric. So you've got to, have somebody that understands how to run a strong business, but also 
appreciates what we're doing. And people are more than numbers, and sometimes they need a second chance. Sometimes they need uh, the, the opportunity to succeed. And, and uh, so having a heart for a mission and a mind for business is what I, I you know, learned from him and continue to look at uh, today. Yeah, awesome. Great. Well, we're just about out of time, but we always ask our guests one last question, Kent. And, you know, that's what kind of, you know, career life advice would you give someone that's, you know, maybe mid-career at this moment? Maybe they're in private industry thinking about the nonprofit world or vice versa. Uh, What would you say to those folks about, you know, maybe achieving that corner office of their own someday? Yeah. So I um, um, really from a a standpoint of, and this is mid-career, I've got um, four kids in their 20s now. They're all, you know, kind of starting their careers. I, I give it to beginners like that, uh, or even people looking for, to transition uh, later in life and say they want to try something different. And I always encourage people to get involved in the community. And a great way to do that is find um, an organization like Goodwill that you're passionate about. It could be the Red Cross. It could be Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, you know, you name it. What would you, what would, what are you passionate about? And figure out a way to volunteer and figure out a way to get engaged, um, possibly even in board leadership. So as a nonprofit, we all have volunteer boards that provide governance for our organization. And I've met and learned from some of the greatest minds in business by people that have volunteered on our uh, board. That's something I never thought of prior to coming to Goodwill. Um, but there's a lot of great people out there. And I know in um, working with Goodwill International, there's 155 Goodwill chapters across the country working with other nonprofits, working with uh, recruiters. Uh, if you can show a balanced um, approach to life uh, with you know having work results, but also giving back to the community, um, and being, um, you know, having a strong, um, kind of approach to family, uh, that you set yourself apart, uh, than a lot of people that apply for jobs. So if you're looking for a corner office, uh, job, make sure you come to it as well-rounded as you can. There's more to life than business results. And, uh, if you can, if you can show that you see that and understand that and appreciate that personally, I think that gives you a leg up over a lot of people. Well, Kent Kramer, uh, President and CEO of Goodwill of Central and Southern Indiana, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. All right. Well, I appreciate the time, Brent, and uh, really, uh, really enjoy your work. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 